Well, welcome to Art Speaks, a presentation at William King Museum of Art, uh, which lets the community know about what's going on at William King and in the art world. And our guest today is Anna Buchanan, who is a curator at uh, William King and has been there, I think, about a year and a half. Her, her entire <laughs> tenure there has been COVID-stricken. So we're hoping we can get her into a more uh, amenable environment uh, in the coming months so she doesn't have everything uh, cloaked with a virus. But welcome to the show, Anna. Thank you so much for having me, David. It's, it's great to be here. And uh, I believe your official title is you're the curator of contemporary fan art and craft. Yes, yes, sir. It's a big, long title. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so tell us a little bit about your um, academic background and uh, how you got into this particular field. Yes, absolutely. So, um, you know, undergrad, I did my undergrad in Michigan at Alma College. And um, during that time, I knew that I wanted to get my master's degree. I always knew that I wanted to get my master's degree. Um, so I graduated with a bachelor's degree in fine arts. Um, and then I went to Clemson University. Um, Clemson was my first choice. They have a great art program. And I graduated from there with my master's degree. Was that your first venture into the South, going to Clemson? <laughs> well, um, actually, no. My my family is from Grayson, Kentucky. It's a small oh. town. So um, even though, you know, I'm from Michigan, I spent my summers in Kentucky with my family. So I always kind of had, you know, one foot in the north, one foot in the south, and um, or in Ap mid-Appalachia anyway. Yeah, Kentucky is a nice halfway house between yes. Michigan and South Carolina. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> So it's it's just it's really been a journey, um, and then it was actually through Clemson staff, or, or excuse me, William King staff that um, had graduated from Clemson, Lake and Bridges. I think you interviewed her. Yes. Um, Lake and had sent the word out that they were looking for a curator at William King, and she had sent it to some professors, some former professors at Clemson University, and it just so happened um, I had some professors that said you should apply for this, and. I did, and I ended up here in Virginia. So well, great! We're so happy to have you. And Thank uh, you. so, was there any other academic endeavors, or um, workshops, or conferences, or anything that uh, that have also added to your academic credentials? You know, honestly, I would just have to say it was the professors um, that I worked with that really got me to be in the position that I am. Um, I actually didn't know what a curator was until I went to graduate school. I had never heard about the position of a curator before. And when I got into graduate school, um, you know, I really didn't know what a curator did until I met the curator at Clemson University in the Lee Gallery, um, Denise Detridge, who is a wonderful curator. And I sat down and I, I spoke with her and I said, you know, what exactly is it that you do? And a lot of times people don't know what it means to be a curator. And I really love talking to the public about what that means. Um, I think that the word curator, especially with Instagram and Pinterest now, gets overused. People, people are, you know, they're like, oh, I'm a curator of, of uh, clothes or I'm a curator <laughs> of um you know, items and, and right. you know, I like it's it seems like or I'm a curator of music and it just seems like everybody uses this word curator. So I think it gets overused. But 
Well, tell us, um, tell us a little bit about what you think the uh, fundamentals of that position are that yes. uh, that do get misused. I mean, what 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 do those people who say that not recognize what it really entails? Yes. So I to, I always say that to me, being a curator means being a keeper of magic, and what I mean by that is art has this power to to take you to a place that exists in between the body and essence because mm-hmm. it's it invokes this emotional response that's created by the artist but then you the curator are writing about it and you're fleshing it out and you are walking in tandem between artist and audience to interpret what the artist is saying and bringing it to you know a more accessible context because not everybody is taught how to look at art and es- essentially i have a i used to teach art appreciation and that's essentially what it is people are oftentimes you know afraid to go into the museum it's daunting it's intimidating the museum has these big columns and these big stairs you know william king well and it's it's that's models of museums like that are all over the world so you know it can be really unnerving to go into a museum but you know, it, people have to be taught how to see. And that's what you're doing as a curator is you're teaching them how to see. And in a way, you are a teacher. It's just another version of being a teacher. Um, I used to teach, like I said, art education or, yeah, art, art education, um, art appreciation. And, you know, that background itself is what helped me become a curator as well. Because you're just teaching, but just in a different way. Well, it's interesting. Uh, I mean, two of our primary missions at, at William King are art education and putting on uh, exhibits, mm-hmm. exhibits of art. And so you actually get to bridge both of those missions yes. because you bring the education part to seeing an exhibit. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, I do think that, you know, I, one of the reasons I love working at William King and and being in the position that I'm in is because I get to work with various staff. So like I get to work with adult education, I get to work with youth education, and we work as a team to build, you know, this initial conceptual idea into something that is approachable. So then we become a team of teachers. And that's something that I really, really enjoy. Um, is just getting to work as a team and getting to work in tandem because everyone brings new ideas to the table. And I, I do hope that, you know, for the, the younger audience that's listening, a lot of times people say that there's not a career in the arts. There's not a career in the humanities. And that's absolutely not true. Um, we need your vision. Everything starts off with a vision. You will find a position in the humanities if that is something that you want. You will find it and just keep keep pushing because it's it's there well good and I'm, I'm glad you're part of that so did you get any curating experience uh, either while you were pursuing your master's degree or at, at some other location before you um, came to William King yes I did I actually had the privilege of working at the Cherokee Museum, it's a not the Cherokee Museum, but the Cherokee Museum of Wahala, South Carolina. Um, Wahala is a small town near Clemson, and um, the Cherokee Museum, it really gave me a background 
in what it means to be a curator. Um, that's really where I heard the word curator for the first time. And I just got to work with the most amazing people there. Um, Luther Lyle is the director of that museum. He started that museum. He actually um, refurbished uh, two old buildings in downtown Mahala on his own, and he built that museum from the ground up. Um, I served as a volunteer librarian there, and then I kind of worked my way up um, in that position and was able to help curate some of the exhibitions within um, the museum. So, right. and that was working with a lot of historical artifacts. So, but some um, artistic interpretations of, you know, that that specific topic as well. Well, tell us something that um, you did not learn about curating from either your academic or your work experience that when you got to William King, you found out, oh, we also have to. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, so the first thing that comes to mind isn't so much like, a, oh, we, we also have to, but it, it was something that um, I guess I just didn't realize. I thought to be a curator meant that I was going to work alone in this little office, just researching my heart out and writing. Absolutely not. <laughs> um, especially at, and, and I, you know, I guess I can't speak for like massive institutions, but I always knew that my heart lied in the nonprofit world. If I wasn't helping people in some capacity, I was not going to be happy. And, and I shouldn't use the word help. I should use the word serve because to help means that you are putting yourself above a person. To serve means that you are putting yourself at the level of that person or even beneath. Um, and I want to serve my community. So I always knew I wanted to be, go into the nonprofit sector. So one thing that I didn't expect as a curator, even at a nonprofit, is how much I would be working with the public. I have met so <laughs> many wonderful people, and that's that's one of my favorite parts about this job. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm so fortunate to have bridged the gap with this position between working at a nonprofit, working with the public, but also working in the arts. Um, I did not realize how much I would be working with the public. It's amazing how many people I've met just through, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to use the word curating, <laughs> curating vendors for uh, our Music and Makers Festival, um, just curating the shows within the, within the museum, curating the exhibitions. It's just amazing how many artists that I've met so far, um, donors that I've met so far, board members that I've met. I mean, just really, I've gotten to know my community and just moving here a year ago. I mean, that's that's been so helpful. Well, and I've observed uh, you doing some other things that I've imagined fall into the non-curating field. I've seen you setting up tents and, uh, <laughs> and places for vendors and crafts people to uh, do things. Uh, serving refreshments, uh, <laughs> helping vendors load their car, I mean, artists load their cars and unload their <laughs> cars. And so we appreciate the fact that you are uh, willing to uh, help out all over the museum. Yeah, and I, I think that speaks to nonprofit work, too. When you work at a nonprofit, you're, you're not just doing your job description. I mean, you're going above and beyond, and that's what nonprofit workers do. That's what nonprofits do. We we rely on the community to serve our community. And um, 
Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of love in that, and you will see a lot of love and support from staff in that process. So we we always try to go above and beyond our job description. Well, you're listening to uh, Art Speaks on the BEHC 90.7 FM, Voice of Southwest Virginia, and I'm David Thomas, the host for today's program, and our guest is Anna Buchanan, who uh, has been at the museum a little over a year as as one of our curators. And so talk to us a little bit about, um, I mean, since... uh, like you said, you thought you were just going to be researching art and writing about it. <laughs> Tell us about some of the exhibits that we've had to date that you have been involved in and and what all did you end up having to do to make those happen? Absolutely. So the first exhibition that I was ever involved in was an exhibition called Transforming Politics, Art Made by Women. And this was to commemorate the 100th anniversary of the women's right to vote. Um, this was a very special exhibition for me because a lot of my research lied in um, contemporary feminism and contemporary feminist art. So I was really excited to, um, to be a part of that, that exhibition specifically, you know, transforming politics. And what does that mean for women across, you know, 100 years to have transformed politics? So that was a very special exhibition for me to be involved in. And I think a great one to start off with, given my background. So... After so you that, had multiple artists that you had to describe their work for. It's not like having oh, just yes. one artist. You, there's multiple artists that you have to. Uh, yes, yes. And, and you have to bridge that gap when you have multiple artists. I, I think a solo show, not to say that it's easier by any means because you're still interpreting an artist's work, but it's an artist. When you have multiple artists, I think that, you know, you as a curator are having to find the common visual threads and spin that into selective word choice that will grasp your audience. Because I think art is just one language. It's a visual language. And it's a visual language that not a lot of people are, are trained in, and rightly so. But it's, it's also a, the language that has stood the test of time, you know, starting with cave drawings so it's, I think it's the oldest language. You know, then you, now we have the written language. And so we're using the written language to transcribe a visual language. And um, it's harder to do that when you have multiple artists and you have to find that commonality between their work. Right. Well, you talked about um, one, of the, one of the things that, that you strive for is to be able to help the visitor to the exhibit or the viewer of the art to educate them about what they're seeing. Mm-hmm. And I know we typically maybe have a program or some uh, a small description of the that we distribute or have available for visitors to the museum. And, um, and then we put up information about typically each work of art adjacent to the work of art that gives the viewer some additional information. Mm-hmm. And I know one of the things that uh, we've tried to do lately is uh, not only have material that an adult would understand, but we've we're starting to add things that they uh, that help to help younger people understand what they're seeing. So tell us a little bit about the difference or how you approach when you're uh, describing something for a, a younger audience versus uh, an art lover. 
Right, absolutely. So um, in the past, uh, as, a, as a group, we've made coloring books and we've made family guides that have the artworks that you see when you go into the gallery in them. And we give kids these activities that not only engage them in what they're seeing, but what they're feeling. I think that that's a really important question, not just for children, but also for adults as well. And usually nine times out of 10, we're giving the adults a very similar question that we're giving children. And that's not to say that, you know, adults can't handle that language in a, in a, a manner that invokes higher thought or, you know, higher, higher meaning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, it's usually the simple questions that lead you to come to your own conclusion. And that's what we want. We want you as the viewer to come to your own conclusion. I don't want to interpret the art for you as a curator. I just want to give you some suggestions so that you can come to your own comprehensive conclusion as the viewer. And so typically we ask children and adults the same questions. I might say, How does this work of art make you feel? What is the first thing it makes you think of? And usually that conclusion is going to hit the nail on the head for what the artist was thinking and feeling as they themselves were creating the piece. And I think that that is so special. That's why we call our guides family guides because anybody can pick them up. An adult can pick them up. A child can pick them up. You know, a parent and a child can work through those questions together, those visuals together. And those are the moments that we want to create, are these these bonding moments. So when you work with an artist uh, in prep preparation for developing that kind of material, do you question them about what their intentions were or what their motivation was for what they did? And are they always willing to reveal that to you or do they say it speaks for itself? Most of the time, I I think the artists know where we're coming from. I let them know that we're an educational institution and um, an educational organization. And usually they're really receptive to that. I haven't really had anybody that's like, oh, my my art speaks for itself. You know, (laughs) I had one artist tell me, I promise I'm not one of those prima donna, self-serving artists. <laughs> so I think we have a really good community of artists here that are willing to work with us. Um, typically, I ask for the bios of the artists. I want to know about them. What's your background? Where did you come from? What's your story? What's your narrative? And so there, I get a lot of response from that. And I always ask for an artist statement as well. And that that's different than the biography because the artist statement is describing their artwork as a whole. What is this particular mm-hmm. body of work or this particular piece saying visually? What does that mean to you as an artist? And I love receiving that because that lets me know if if my interpretation lined up with the artist. And you know, if it does, that's probably a really strong piece of art that you're looking at. Um, one thing that I look for as a curator is, well, a couple of things I look for as a curator is, yes, this technical aspect. Is it technically good? And a lot of times we get artists that say, well, my work, you know, wasn't chosen for your museum. Or you're not you're not looking at my work. Why is that? And we have had people, you know, get, get kind of angry about that. And it, it's because I'm looking for work that goes beyond technical. We appreciate technical work 
so much. But I think when you have conceptual ideas behind technically good work and you're combining those two worlds of the technical and the conceptual, that's when you can start creating those empathic connections with an audience. And that's what I hope to curate truly in the end is not artwork, but empathy. I want to curate empathy between, you know, my artists and my audience. And and those connections, that's what I think can change the world. And so I think you have to have strong artwork in order to change hearts and minds, or not even change, but just to just to vocalize and hear other people's stories through a visual rhetoric. So we've talked a little bit about uh, one of your exhibits. Is, is a, Have you been involved in another exhibit that you're um, especially um, like doing since, uh, since you've been here? Or do you have one coming up that you really are looking forward to? I do. <laughs> I mean, I, I always am looking forward to, to the exhibits that I'm curating. Um, but the one I'm, I'm probably really excited about right now is uh, The Open Road, The Art of the Motorcycle. And this is coming up next February, February of 2022, which I know that seems far away, but it's about six months. So, you know, I don't know where the time went, but (laughs) we're we're approaching that. So um, and the reason I'm excited about this one is because this is a challenge for me. A lot of times when we're dealing with like objects, like we just had a shoe show, a show about shoes recently called Head Over Heels. And you know, when we're dealing with objects that people don't usually consider art, it can be a challenge because we we get that question. Why is this in a museum? Why should we consider this art? But these are also one of my favorite exhibits because they are relatable. These might be objects that you have in your home, yes. But let's look at that a little bit differently. Um, I'm really excited to bring the motorcycle to a level of fine art, especially in terms of engineer design, which I think that you yourself can appreciate. Oh, yes. (laughs) So um, I'm really excited about that and just Mm. what goes into that design and what are designers doing now to add that artistic flair to the motorcycle. So so the exhibit is really going to consist of actual motorcycles. It's not just paintings of motorcycles or photographs of motorcycles. Right, right. So you will see uh, 2D examples of motorcycles in action, certainly, but you will also see motorcycles themselves uh, from a local collector. Nice. Well, it's nice to, I know, I would think it would be a benefit for you for the fact that we do have a lot of uh, local collectors in in this area Mm -hmm. who we are able to uh, gain access to their what they have collected and uh, and displayed at the museum. So mm-hmm. good to hear that uh, motorcycles fall into that. <laughs> and yes. I, just one other thing I, I want to mention briefly is uh, when you were talking about having uh, activities or, or publications that, that children can relate to, mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll make a uh, plug for William King here, is the fact that we've just kicked off our campus improvement program, just had the groundbreaking this week. And, uh, and, and part of the long-range plan for that is to enhance our sculpture garden and make it a, uh, more of a relatable experience for people who are walking through that garden. And, and so and that is, 
I don't know where that is in the in the formulation, but in that part of our plan to yes. to do that. Yes. So we're looking forward to uh, the new campus at William King, and to the listeners, we'll let you know that uh, what we're doing right up front is making the museum more accessible and more easy to know where to go and where to park and where buses can drop people off and a lot of things that have been issues for us in the past. So uh, you talk about the um, motorcycle exhibit. Is there any, are there any others coming up in the next year that, that you have already planned around? Yes, absolutely. We have so many exhibitions. So I, there's a lot to be excited about. And truly, our, our, um, you know, our sort of slogan is never the same museum. And that's absolutely true. Um, another exhibition that I'm really excited about is called Lift Your Spirits, Nurturing the Human Spirit Through Creativity. So it's a big, long title. Yes. Um, but it's all about the different ways that we express ourselves in, in the art world. Um, and how that, that, how that can transcend into, you know, a therapeutic and cathartic manner. So that is comprised of three artists and one collector. And we don't usually see that interplay between collectors and artists, but that's also part of the theme of the exhibition is nurturing the human spirit through creativity. That doesn't mean that you yourself necessarily have to be an artist. Are you drawn to art enough to collect it? I think most of us are. And you know, why is that? Why does that art speak to you? So I I think that, you know, you don't have to be a a creator to, to love art and to, you know, I think, call yourself a creator necessarily. So I that's that's something that I'm really looking and forward to is that interplay between collector and artists. And and your spirits. Yes. And the, spirits, the spirit. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> the human spirit. Well thanks for being with us today, Anna. And I know you uh, are a relative newcomer to Abingdon. So tell us about your uh, your uh, journey to get here and what was what were the positive things you liked about being living now and living in Abingdon? Yes, absolutely. Um, I definitely have a story about how I got to Abingdon. Um, my, you know, when I found out I got the job, it was a dream come true. Um, you know, I felt like this is this is what I want to do, and um, my my husband who was then my fiancé, we had been engaged for a while and been together for six years. He said, you know what? We're making this big move. Why don't we just get married? (laughs) So we uh, eloped and moved in the same day, and I just put my overalls on over my wedding dress uh, at the courthouse, and we got the U-Haul and uh, came to Abingdon. So, <laughs> But, you know, I think that, that that moment was, you know, very fitting for the spirit of Abingdon. I felt like... Abingdon was this interplay of old and new. I saw all these old buildings being turned into, you know, these new restaurants and, you know, eclectic shopping centers. And, you know, even even the William King building itself, I, you know, we're reviving that, as you mentioned. And, you know, I saw this old school building being revived in a lot of ways, especially being the, cont- the curator of contemporary art 
you know, I, I, saw, I get to see these new and exciting artworks and these new contemporary ideas coming into the museum from regional folks in our regional community. So that's been really great. Well, you've been listening to Art Speaks from William King Museum of Art in Abingdon, and our guest today has been Anna Buchanan, and thank you for being on the program, and thank you for what you do at the museum. Thank you for having me, David. Thank you.